Okay, here we go. Hey friends, welcome to another episode of the Lucky Few Podcast, where we are shifting the narrative by shouting the worth of people with Down syndrome. This is Micah, Mercedes, and Heather. And today we are joined once again by one of our very first guests ever, Kristen Enriquez. She's a teacher, a mother to a child with Down syndrome, and a wealth of information when it comes to IEPs, inclusion, and all things back to school because it's that time of year. We are so excited to chat with her. So thanks for joining us, friends. Welcome to the Lucky Few podcast. All right, you guys, well, we are still bringing it back to back to school. And uh, this is our second week to talk to an expert in IEPs and inclusion. Last week we had Ashley Barlow. And and this week we're back with our friend Kristen Enriquez, who if you haven't listened to, was it episode 11 maybe? I think it was like uh, 10, yeah, 10, 11. Yeah, 10 or 11. Well, maybe both. I think we did two in a row with her. Mm-hmm. Back in the early days when we were just little baby podcasters. <laughs> um, we Those are great episodes. And I'm really grateful that I got to sit down and chat with her. So yeah, guys, how how's back to school going? Should we ask that question at this point? <laughs> it's like triggering. It's a triggering <laughs> question. You go ahead there. Yeah. Oh gosh. Um, so we're about a month into school at this point, And I, I feel just frustrated <laughs> and I feel tired of feeling frustrated. I'm tired of having to reach out constantly. Like there's just so many emails still being sent and so many things, supports that aren't in place. And, um, I think even after listening to this interview, Micah with you and, and Kristen, I, I'm feeling personally, it's kind of like inclusion's going to work if everyone's going to make it work. Mm-hmm. If I'm the only one here trying to make it work, I don't know that I, that, that everyone else gets to do this. Mm-hmm. That's what it feels like. Like Mason in August, I just need everybody to know it is a privilege to get to do education alongside them. Just so mm-hmm. you know that. Um, but if you're not, if we're not going to be able to make this work, if you're not going to join this endeavor, <laughs> then we're out. And mm-hmm. so even today, um, after this conversation, I'm going to observe another school for mm-hmm. Macy within our district. Can I just say, tell this real quick story? Yeah, of course. Mason hope <clears throat> is <laughs> at our home, like her designated middle school mm-hmm. and in fifth grade, pre COVID, right. We're ending fifth grade. We have this big IEP meeting where to transition into junior high. I'm very vulnerable and transparent with my IEP team. That's important to me. I don't want to hide things from them. I want them to know that just like full transparency, this is who we are. This is what we need. This is what I don't know, all those things. And so I would have been very open with my, how terrified I am to transition to middle school, wishing we could just skip it. Ha ha COVID. We basically did skip sixth grade. I didn't want to skip it that way. And then, um, I'm inclusion. Like I'm, I've been this, like we're going to do inclusion. We're doing inclusion. We made it happen at her elementary school. It hadn't happened like that before. Everybody knows. I'm like 
on first name basis with the people at the district office. Right. And for better or worse. And I, she goes to her middle school. So I find out a few weeks ago, like a week into school, well, there's the other middle school has an inclusion program. That's what someone just told me. I said, I'm sorry. What? Like there's an inclusion program at a middle school in our district. Are you sure? Like, are you sure we have the same ideas in mind? Are you sure about this? I'm, I don't know whether to be excited about this or just like, yeah, now you're telling me what, so I'm going to observe it today. And then it's like, okay, so we're a month into school and now we're going to transition Mason to another school Mm. after a month. That's been so hard. Who's in charge here. Mm. Will you please point me in the direction of who's in charge? Because this is just a shenanigan. That's how Mm -hmm. I feel. Mm. It's not wild. It is wild. But then I just want, I think that's okay though. It's just a blimp in the story. So if this ends up being a great middle school, she will transition. Yeah. I mean, she just will. And you found out late, but not that late, you know? Thanks Mercedes. That feels Yeah. Good. Cause I can feel that way sometimes too. I'm like, I had no idea. Like, this is what I've been talking about. How come nobody told me I go to the IEP meetings. This is for you to know exactly. and to tell exactly. me I'm new here. You know, yeah. <laughs> this is my first time with my kid here. Like how can I would always do that to regional center also. I don't know these things. You're the center, right? <laughs> totally. The regional one. <laughs> Tell me all the things I had to learn from my mom oh my friend gosh. at the park. Like what? In right? the, but that well, that's when you know community is just as important. So get yourself yeah. out there. Conversation, conversation, conversation. But yeah, it is frustrating. So I I get like that. I'm like, what if all of a sudden now I decide to put Sunny in school? Now it's like second grade and blah, blah. I always do that, but I feel like it's a blimp right in the, in her lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. But it, but it was unavoidable people. Like, or it was I avoidable. It, it, was, was, it was avoidable. Mentioned like, it at the you. IP meeting in fifth grade. Remember when I was fighting for inclusion and there was an inclusive program in our district. Yeah. What? Yeah. You what? knew this. Are you going to mention me it? Are you going to be like, I are- have. Okay. <laughs> I've, asked, I've asked three people. I've gotten three different answers. Yeah. Ooh, that's what did best. they say? Um, one person said it's because, so the, the head of special services in that role has changed every year we've been in the district. There's a ton <sighs> of turnaround. So a lot of it depends on who is in charge in that space. And the, um, superintendent of special education has changed, um, each year. And so I think each year for sure the head of special services. So one woman I talked to yesterday who will remain anonymous, she said she thinks it's because at the time there was a big push for all kids to be in their neighborhood schools, which I can appreciate because that's always been our push too, because this is their neighborhood. It's the kids that are in their community and that's important. But the other middle school is like a half a mile in the other direction. You know what I mean? It's not like we're driving to their city. Right. So I get that piece. Um, Another person said that she wanted to tell me last year, but she couldn't. Oh, I don't like that. Huh? I know why I wonder, because if I wonder, that's weird. Because you might share it on this podcast because I'm on the podcast. I'm about to drop some names. And then the the other person (laughs) is the new person, like the new, the third person. I'm like, how come I didn't know about this? And her answer was, I'm not sure. (laughs) I love a new new. person. (laughs) (laughs) That would be me. Okay. But Uh, also. 
that's another thing that's an issue. We're always at the mercy of who's got our case, right? Yep. And there's always turnover within government, special needs, medical, there's always turnover. And then you're hoping to get someone who knows all the new, all the local information, even though this is their second day at the job and you're 100, their 130th person on their case. Yep. Yeah. Red flag. <laughs> anyway, I feel like I've taken up all of our time here and I think we should get to this conversation because Kristen has a lot of good things to talk about with. Yes. Well, let's do that. But before Topic. we do announcement, announcement in just a couple of weeks, we're going to be together. Uh, uh, uh. Do you know where we're going to be together? You guys? I think I do. <gasps> Mercedes knows. <laughs> Pick me, Colorado. <laughs> tell me, tell me. No one tells me things. So tell me, tell me. Pick me. No, the three of us haven't been together since COVID started. I know. So, In like two years. I know. <clears throat> um. So this is so exciting, guys. We're gonna be at the DSDN Rock and Moms Retreat in Denver. It's September twenty fourth through twenty fifth. And um, we are just hoping that some of you guys out there are going to be there too. So let us know. And we are really excited to, we'll be working a merch table. We'll be recording a few things. Um, we're going to be uh, sharing a lot of Heather Avis's uh, merch around different, a great thing to be. She's going to be selling copies. We're going to be mm-hmm. um, having bids on sweatshirts that are really, really pricey. Just kidding. They're not. Oh my God. <laughs> and um, <laughs> one of a kind. One of a kind. <laughs> it's going to be fun. Be so fun. we can't wait to see you guys there. Let us know if you're going to be there. Um, I have to say real quick, I was going to say Mercedes and Micah will, I'm going to sign my books, but so will Mercedes and Micah, if you want, right? You guys will sign my books. to sign Heather's book. We will. You know what? I make a special (laughs) announcement. If you're going to the DSDN, ask for me. Say, I Uh, want Mercedes. I need Mercedes to to sign my book. book. Um, But that, I was going to, I thought that, and then it reminded me of this story, you guys, that I have to share because I was having a guard sale once and I have. I have a neighbor who's um, 96 or seven and she'll tell you right away. Hi, I'm so-and-so I'm 96 years old or something like that. She's <laughs> lovely. And I was having a yard sale and she went through my bin of books and she said, um, like pulled up some authors. Like, do you know this? I said, yeah, some of these authors are my friends. And she's like, would you sign them for me? I said, oh, <laughs> I don't, I don't think I'm, I'm, I don't think I'm supposed to sign my friends' books. Like it's their books. She's like, I would love if you'd sign them for me. So I did. I signed all these books for her. That is really cute. Anyway, so all of us are signing. If there's anything you want us to sign, a book, a sweatshirt, your body, just come on by. That's when you've made it. (laughs) When someone has you sign their body. Well, we'll find out if we've made it or not. I love it so much as a DSCN. Oh dear. Maybe oh, at the mom's okay. night out. Mom's yeah. night out. <laughs> that we're just gonna carry Sharpies around just in case. Yeah. As long as it's socially it. distant. I can sign it socially distantly. You turn around <laughs> and you have a mask on, I will sign your backside. <laughs> <laughs> the backside. I'm only doing front side. <laughs> I'm only doing cleavage. <laughs> yes. Over the heart too. What? This is so weird. 
moving on. We have a um, <laughs> review, a review from a listener. Um, this is from Danny with an I G four, five, six, seven, eight. And Danny G four, five, six, seven, eight says as a new mom to hashtag the lucky few, I've already been blessed by the wisdom. These women bring to our community. They discuss a wide variety of topics and they have helped me to begin thinking about the questions that I will come to address at some point in my child's life, which I appreciate. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that review. If you're going to be at DSD and Danny G four, five, six, seven, eight, come find us and we'll sign your whole body. <laughs> you know, I think she's going to take back the wisdom part. I know. Like, uh, never mind. Awkward. <laughs> um, but this girl. is a good episode for you too. I love it. This is a good one for the Danny G four, five, six, seven, eights of the world. Yeah. Thanks for leaving that review. And if you like what you hear on this podcast, go ahead and head over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast, leave a review. Maybe we'll read it next week. We love you guys so much and appreciate your support. All right. Well, I can't wait to share with you my interview with Kristen Enriquez. Let's jump to it. All right, everybody, I'm so excited to introduce Kristen Enriquez. She's a teacher with over 25 years of experience in the education system, a mother to four children, one of whom has Down syndrome, and she's the founder of Sevi Smile, a platform that provides information and resources to families supporting their children with disabilities. And if you're a longtime listener, you may also recognize her from episode 10 and 11, way back. Way back. And welcome to the show, Kristen. Thank you so much. It's good to be back. Yeah, we're so excited to have you. And this is the perfect time as school is back in session and we're all thinking through these things, thinking about education for our kids, thinking about what inclusive practices should look like. And of course, thinking about that in a COVID world where there's so much still up in the air and so much has affected what inclusion looks like. Sure. So I'm excited to ask you all of my questions, which I have right. a lot. I have time. All right, <laughs> let's do it. Um, would you start, Kristen, just by introducing yourself and, and tell us a little about your family and your background? Yeah, you pretty much covered the, the main points, but I am a mom of four. Um, my kids range in age. I have a 15-year-old, so I've got high school. My son, um, Sevi, who has Down syndrome, is 13, so he's an eighth grader, so we've got middle school covered. And then I have two smaller children. I have a nine-year-old and a six-year-old, so I still have two in elementary school yeah. as well. So it's been a, a long time. We've been doing three drop-offs and three pickups, which is really fun. And then um, I have been an educator uh, longer than I've been a mom. So coming on close to 30 years, which is mind-blowing, um, but started off as a special education teacher, had opportunities in both um, you know, SDC and, and inclusive settings then moved into special education administration. And about seven years ago, um, when we moved back to Southern California, we found ourselves where I was not the most marketable for employment. I was pregnant with my, my youngest and Sevi was going to be having some surgery. And that's when we started Sevi Smile and just decided we were going to kind of support from the outside in rather from, than from the inside out. Nice. 
So um, we'd love to hear more about Sevi Smile and, and about your mission to, quote, create a level playing field when it comes to education. Yeah. Um, we tell us like what that means and, and what that, how we can apply that for ourselves. So I think for me, creating a level playing field is really about conversation and really remembering that though we are working in complicated systems, that there are people that are being impacted through those systems. And of course, that is, you know, the triangle. It's it's our educators, and that's everybody who works in education, administrators, therapists, ed, you know, teachers, assistants, anyone who works in education, the parents and, and the children who are being supported. I think, you know, bringing it back down to that relationship piece and really making sure that we carve out time for conversation because education isn't easy. We know that there's always lots of moving parts, but it, when we really get down to it, situations, um, your, your child can be in preschool, you know, maybe by the end of preschool that we've all had a situation where things don't go the way we wanted it to, or things don't go the way we expect it to. And I think that's why we have the laws and protections that we have to yeah. support kids who learn differently is because things can be unpredictable um, and not go the way we expected. But really those laws are, are created for people in educational positions and they're not created or written really in a way that's as accessible to parents. So for me, having a level playing field is making sure that we have ways to bring that information that educators have or should have to parents as well so that they can know what the educators know as much as possible and not just the what but the how and I think that really comes from conversation um, because it goes both ways right it's not only that that parents need to know what the educators need to know but the educators need to know what the parents know you know yeah. about their children so um, I have a friend and her son is 17 he's got a very complicated um, set of diagnosis and syndromes and, and medical issues. And, and, and she, you know, she's the only one other than her husband who's been there since the beginning. Right. And she jokes that she has a PhD, you know, in her son. <laughs> and I've kind of taken that on because it's, it's, it's really true. But I think that oftentimes as parents, our input is not valued or honored or incorporated. And it really is a missed opportunity um, to have that conversation and really look at this central idea from multiple viewpoints and get the benefit from all of those multiple, multiple uh, viewpoints. So for me, that's really leveling the playing field. That's awesome. And so when the work that you're doing with Sevi Smile is basically empowering parents to, to know what they're doing when they go into their IEP meetings and to understand what their, their role is in the, in like, as the PhDs in their children's. Right. Life. And not just about what to say, but really how to say it, because I think mm -hmm. that we can say the same thing in, in a lot of different ways. And we do want to remember that these are people, you know, that, that are, that are within systems and, and yes, share that information, but make sure that we're sharing it in the most collaborative, supportive way possible, um, because it really is the relationship that's going to carry you, you know, that's going to carry you through and carry, carry your child through. Um, and so through Sevi Smile, you know, I am a, a self-professed collector of facts. 
Um, I love information. I love taking information from lots of different places and figuring out ways to synthesize it into this new something. Um, and so I, I know a lot of people don't have time to do all of that, you know, yeah. to do the research or collect all the, the resources. And so that's really what we do. You know, we, we cut that part out for people and then we bring that information to people to try to help them be able to benefit from it without having to take the time to find it in all those different places. That's amazing. So the, for our listeners who are maybe, um, parents of little tiny ones and haven't started thinking about IEPs or just the educational system at all. And for those who maybe just haven't heard our first interview with you, would you talk a little bit about the benefits of placing our children in an inclusive environment and also what you've seen in Sevi's life by um, pursuing inclusive practices for him in his education? Yeah. Well, for me, and I think from the, from the interview, what I think I remember saying is that, you know, it's, it's not a favor, you know, placing our kids in general at opportunities and inclusive opportunities, not a favor, it's a right. Mm -hmm. And I usually don't even use the word inclusion because I find that so often it is become something that people use to kind of communicate like, oh, but we're doing all these things. And isn't yeah. this so nice of us to do this? And that's really not what it's about. You know, it's really about this is our right, you know, to have our kids here and, and for our kids to be here and to have these opportunities. Um, so, so that from a, from an educational perspective is how I look at having access um, to general education opportunities and, and community-based opportunities. But I think I actually would probably, when I think about it from Sevi's um, perspective, is I would flip it. And I would actually say, what benefits have I not seen from the inclusive opportunities? Because um, I can tell you what I would say, and then I'll tell you what he would say, because he and mm -hmm. I have actually had this conversation, and we, we not surprisingly, think about it very differently. Um, I would say that it has shaped everything about who he is, um, that if he had not had these opportunities to be in classes with his typically developing peers, that um, he would be a very different person than he was today. If we had accepted, because we were offered an SDC when he was three mm -hmm. and we turned it down, um, that if we had accepted that segregated offer at three, that he would present, not that he would be, but he would present as a completely different person. Mm -hmm. And I don't know who he would be, but I can almost guarantee that he would not be who he is today because there would be so much about him um, that makes him who he is that I wouldn't know. So if he had followed that path that was suggested for us, he would not have run for ASB president, which he just did last week. Mm -hmm. um, I just about fell over when the paper came. <laughs> um, and that we wouldn't know that he loves talking about erosion and how like geological processes are affected by weather. We would not know that he loves social studies and he has this amazing knack for remembering key events and people. Um, I wouldn't know that even though he still struggles with subtraction, that he loves plotting line on a, on a graph, you know, mm. and, or plots on a graph and solving inequalities. And I really feel like I would have missed knowing all that he's capable of learning and knowing and saying and doing, and really would have missed out on who he had the potential to be. Yeah. Um, so for me, that's what I would say. Now, what his 13 year old self would say is more simple but I actually think it's more powerful because for him, it comes down to one thing. And he says 
that if he was not in general education, that he would not be known. Hmm. That for hmm. him being with his peers on the campus, going in and out of classes like everyone else and not set off to the side yeah. where the special education classes are, that no one would know him. And for him, one of the most important things is that he be known. Mm-hmm. Um, and so maybe that's a better answer um, because I think it's more simple, but it's also incredibly powerful. And it really, when he said that, it, it kind of took my breath away. Um, so I, I store those things, you know, cause not all days are easy. Um, and I, I try to hold on to that. And I remember that on our most difficult days. And that's what really drives me to make sure that he will always have these kinds of opportunities and drives me to help other families who want those opportunities for their children as well to make sure that they get to have them too. I love that. I love that there really are those two pieces to this. There's the belief that that is like social and emotional, like our children deserve to be kids with everybody else. They deserve to be part of a community and not be segregated off to the side. And then there's the other piece of like, our children deserve to learn and to, for us to assume competence and that they're, that they're capable of um, learning what their peers are learning. Yeah. It's, it, it just shapes you, you know, it shapes you, it shapes them. It shapes, I mean, we're all a product of our experiences, right? I am. So, you know, not taking it out of a special education example, right? I'm a complete product of my experiences. When, you, you know, if you have heard, haven't heard those earlier interviews, I was not always a firm believer in inclusion. It really wasn't until I got out of systems and really lived it as a parent and had the time to do all of that research mm-hmm. that it really reframed my thinking. And I would say I've probably done more professional growth in the last seven years than I've done and in all the years, you know, the 20 plus years before that. And, and I'm, I'm so thankful for that, right? Because I'm not the same person I was in my 20s because I've had 20 plus years of experiences that have changed me and shaped me. Yet we think about it differently for kids with disabilities. And I don't know why, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know why we, we hold a different standard when it's really just about everybody is shaped by the experiences that we have had. So depending on what those experiences are, they are going to look different and present differently at the end. Well, I would love to take this kind of to a personal place (laughs) because I really would love your thoughts on this. And we had a whole episode about a year ago about my son's dual diagnosis. Um, My son Ace is going into first grade and at the beginning of his second year of pre-K, so when he was four, he received a, a dual diagnosis. When he got that diagnosis, I was furious because the, the doctor who was diagnosing him, you know, stared deeply into my eyes and said, inclusion will never work for him. Mm. And it was like, you know, a stab to my gut. And I kind of came out of that just angry. I'm going to make this happen. And And actually, um, to all our listeners, Kristen has helped me at various points, like in my meetings with IEP when we were in San Francisco. And I 
I pursued inclusion for him with the idea that he was going to be in our general education classroom where my other son was going to elementary school um, last year. And then COVID happened and we ended up, uh, we had been considering moving. We made this move. And at that same time, I began to really second guess myself because I felt like Ace had been in this inclusive environment for these two years and he really hadn't grown. He hadn't gotten what he needed. The teachers said he only learns in one-on-one settings and he was surrounded by peers. And, and I started to feel like maybe I just need to buckle down and get him one-on-one like classroom stuff. So we went into COVID or into this new school in COVID last year. And I said, I'm not going to fight. I'm just going to let them put him in, into a separate classroom. And cause he's probably not going to be in the classroom anyway with his peers during COVID. So we've gone through one year of him not being in an inclusive space. And I feel really conflicted. And I guess my question for you with all of this is like, I think what has come to be a burden for me is that I feel like there's even in what I see of inclusion for um, some of ACE's peers with Down syndrome, like that I see online and that sort of thing, there's still a level of ability that's required for them to be participating in their classroom. They have a one-on-one, they're doing the work in a different way. They have their sensory regulation, like opportunities, those things are there in the IEP, but is there a point where you're like, yes, there has to be this much ability. Like, do I, 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 that's what I'm struggling with. If he can't sit for circle time, if he can't learn without a one-on-one in quiet environment. What does that look like to pursue inclusion? Yeah. Well, I mean, for me, and it's very personal, you know, it's a very personal decision. So I can only tell you what, what I believe based on what I've seen, what I know, what I have collected. Um, But it is very personal. Um, And certainly I wouldn't know the elements of every situation. So there's two things. One is um, there are no prerequisites for inclusion. I think that why sometimes we think it doesn't work is because adults don't know how to do it. And so what ends up happening is we rest the responsibility on the backs of these little ones and say, you didn't have this, you didn't have that, therefore it didn't work. When really it's up to adults to figure it out. And I think we're still learning and we're still evolving. And the vast majority of people still do not have a lot of experience with this with a wide range of kids because the antiquated view was there were prerequisites that you needed to have met before we would even consider inclusion. So they may know how to do it with some kids with Down syndrome or some kids with autism or some kids with a dual diagnosis, but they really haven't had experience doing it with the kids who have a a wider variety of needs in that way. So I think things are still evolving. Um, That said, those people are out there. Um, and it is the responsibility of the district to make sure that they're available for the kids who need them. On the other hand, especially from a mama perspective, I think I would say this is that our kids have to learn to live in both worlds. And this really, I wish that had come to me earlier. Um, so hopefully people can benefit from what I didn't know, but, um, you know, Sevi, as he's getting older, 
is noticing a lot more and reflecting a lot more and speaking about that a lot more. And this is why, you know, this whole, I want to be known conversation happened because my husband and I looked at each other and said, you know, are we driving this? Like, are we pushing too hard? Is this really what he wants? Because as he gets older, he's going to have to learn to take some of that over. Right. Mm. And we have to consider his thoughts more in the same way that we do for my 15 year old. you know, the same opportunity for him. So as a mom, I think what I would say is, and a professional is that you really need to know your vision um, for your child. So I did a, a couple of years ago, even earlier than I did the podcast with you guys, I um, did a, a webinar called using your future vision to find your now. And it's one of my favorites. And I think that we need to really make sure that whatever that it's truly our vision and that it isn't a vision that's been sold to us by someone else, mm-hmm. like a doctor who says to you, inclusion will never work, right? right. Because right. we start to make things true. If you're told it often enough, you start to believe it. And when you believe it, you start to make it the reality because humans like things to fit, right? Into right. these nice, neat little boxes and people don't. <laughs> and certainly mm-hmm. people with disabilities don't, right? And and so I think we have to really make sure that our kids have opportunities to live in both worlds and that whatever programs we have them in are really aligned, their mission, their vision, their intent, not what people tell us our intent is, but their true intent, truly what they do is aligned with our vision for our child. So it's not an either or world, but in their life, right, their collective life, do they have these varying opportunities? And then the trick is really figuring out which environments we do this and which environment we do the other um, so that they have this blended opportunity because they've got to grow up having pride in who they are. And they're always going to be people who have disabilities and they have to learn a pride in that and, and realize that it's a big piece, but it's not a definition. And I think one of the ways they do that is by having exposure to other people with disabilities. Hmm. That's good. Yeah, that's great. That's so helpful to, as a parent to think about those two things. Yeah. Like, how am I giving my kid pride in, the, in themselves? And what is, my, what is my vision for their life? And how right. are we living into it in this yeah. moment? And I think, Micah, there's, there's a cost benefit to everything, right? I mean, so it's like, if I choose this path, then what am I willing to give up? And I think we have to be courageous because a lot of times we don't want to think about that. We don't, we just want to say, this is the right answer, right? Right. But sometimes there is no 100% right answer. Actually, I was having this conversation with my six-year-old yesterday. It's like, well, sometimes it's not like a hundred percent. This is going to make me like the happiest I've ever been. Right. And I know this is the thing I have to do. Sometimes there's some pieces of this that would make me happy, but there's some pieces of this other thing that would make me happy. And I have to figure out what fits best Mm -hmm. in this situation and go with that. And that's not, not an, certainly not easy for a six-year-old, but I don't know that that's any easier for adults sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, true. Well, I think this leads well into this question of like, as a parent is considering and making decisions about their children's education, um, what are the most important things that they should be thinking about? I think it's really, um, again, coming back to your vision, you know, really having a vision for what you want for your child. Um, and ensuring through conversation by asking a lot of questions, by observing, by talking to people, 
that the places where our kids spend the vast majority of their time, which is home, school, and community, are aligned with that vision because there are places where if we have a certain vision, certain decisions are not going to ever get them on that path. Um, and so I think it's just being really clear about what you want for your kids. And I don't mean like all the details, you know, but, but the general sense of, of what, what do you want their future to look like? Because like I said before, when we believe something, we make it fit right? Mm -hmm. And if we don't believe it's possible, then it never will be, you know, but, mm -hmm. and it, there's no guarantee it will happen, but we at least have to have that belief and we have to line them up with the opportunities for those things to be possible. And if you need to stop and regroup along the way, as new information comes in, there's no fault in that. That's life. We all do that. And so for me, again, I try often, um, to tie it to non-disability related examples to help myself and other people make sense of things. But I think it's really about conversation, you know, and, mm -hmm. and, and communication. And I think that is my biggest concern in the next year. I am so grateful for some of some of the silver linings that happened from being in a digital world. I learned a ton and I'm not a digital girl, but <laughs> I learned a ton. Um, I, I, I can do it great when it works, but if it doesn't work, I have no idea what yep. to do. Yep. You know, I, I, I think there have been things that we learned. I think there have been opportunities that we wouldn't have otherwise had. I think there are, there are some benefits that I would like to keep as part of life going forward. But I am concerned that in the last year with things becoming so highly digital that we've lost a bit of our humanity, you know, and we've lost a bit of our, our interpersonal ability to inner, you know, our, our ability to interrelate and our ability to break things down in conversation with one another because things became more impersonal and education is still personal. You know, it's still relationship-based. And if our kids don't feel that with the people who are working with them, it doesn't matter how good they are. They're not going to get anything out of it because mm. I wouldn't, I mean, do I get anything out of somebody that I trust other than a feeling of runaway? No, you know, so I think it's the same exact thing with our kids. They just can't necessarily communicate that to us. Right. Well, let's think about um, educators. What if if there's teach? I know we have teachers who listen to this podcast. Um, for those who are out there, especially our, our special education teachers, what would you say to them about uh, what they can be doing to make their classrooms more inclusive, be more open to giving access and opportunity to everyone? Yeah, I think. When thinking about kids who learn differently, especially kids who have working memory challenges, which is a vast majority of kids with disabilities, including children with Down syndrome, autism, certainly kids who have that dual diagnosis, um, is really to think through focusing on those key areas, right? When we have a child who needs more time and more repetition to learn something, they're not going to be able to do it all because there just isn't enough time in a day but we can break it down into the key things we need them to know, the key things we need them to learn versus the fluff, <laughs> you know, the things yeah, that'd be nice for them to learn right. in other words. Um, and so really 
knowing what's most important and, and focusing on that. That's number one, because I think teachers um, largely can be perfectionists and they, and they have high expectations and they want everyone to learn it all. And that's just not reality. Like that's just not, that's too much of a burden to put on themselves. So I think they need to give themselves a bit of a break. Um, and they need to realize that just like us as parents, we're not expecting them to do it all on their own because that would be too much. Like if, if they could do it all on their own, they wouldn't have the IEP, right? right that wouldn't, right. that document wouldn't exist. And, and to really look at kids and, and not focus on what they can't do, but focus on what they can do and use their strengths and find ways to build it in for everything. Because if, if one child needs it, I can guarantee you there's at least a few others who would benefit from it. They may not need it, but they would benefit from it. Yeah. So if we can take those needs and build it into our practice, then I think we will see an impact not only on that child that we originally were thinking about, but on so many of our kids. And the more we do that, the more it becomes natural. And again, historically speaking, teaching is a very isolated profession. And I think when we're doing something like this, when we're truly embracing it, we have to find our people, right? We can't do it alone. And our people may not be the people who are assigned to be our people at the mm -hmm. school, right? Because if they're not of our mindset, then they're not our people. We may have to yeah. work with them, but they're not our people. And so finding, you know, your podcasts or your, your, social media groups or whatever, you know, I, I definitely believe in using those platforms for good and finding connections. And if you can't find somebody, you know, call me and I'll talk it out with you, you know? So finding people who have like mindset and um, are willing to talk through some of those things with you, because you may be the only one on your school site or the only one in your district or the first one, you know, who's done this. And um, the last thing is, is to be vulnerable. And I know that that's really hard because our profession really does not value vulnerability. Mm -hmm. They expect teachers to know it all and, and do it right the first time and, and not make mistakes. But I think that being willing to be vulnerable and being, being willing to try things and have them fail and learn from them, that's what makes us most successful. So we preach growth mindset to our students, but we don't put it into our own practice. And that's, that's, um, again, a missed opportunity. Yeah, that's good. Well, as we, we're going to come to a close here soon, I, I do want to know what your thoughts are on going back to school after a year for so many of our kids of virtual learning yes. and any like tips or things <laughs> we should have in our, our tool, our toolbox or, yeah. What you're I've been thinking. thinking a lot about this because with four in three different programs, um, this has been something that we've really needed to do where we really need to keep our expectations high, but we still need to manage expectations, I think, yeah. because we don't want to feel like every day is a failure. Yeah. Um, and this is for all my kids, right? Every child, I think that applies to going back to school. And I think for me, what has been helpful is to really think through what do I want the next year to be? So I can't forget that the last 18 months happened, right? Yeah, I, right. I can't because it happened. And we have to remember what we've been through and what our communities have been through. And I think when you look at a group of children coming together, we have to acknowledge that for some children, 
based on what their experience has been over the past 18 months, there may be some real trauma there that has had an impact in schools because um, not everybody came out of this healthy and not everybody came out of this the way they went in, right? So there's, there's a lot to filter through when you're thinking about groups of people coming together. Um, so really thinking through what, what can I realistically expect? What do only like, almost like a mini vision, you know, for the mm -hmm. next year, what are the most important things I want my kids to get out of going back to school the next year? And, and academics may not be at the height of it, you know, but what is it? And it might be, you know, for some families yeah. it might be, and that's okay too, but what is it? And because there is going to be a lot for them to navigate and relearn. And, and I think that goes not only for parents, but for teachers too, you know, that's a good exercise for, for educators to go through is like, what, what, what do I really need this next year to be? Not just what would be nice, but what do I really need it to be yeah. and focus on that. Um, but I do worry a little bit. I, I will tell you, I worry about, you know, understandably educators um, being overwhelmed and I worry about kids who are in inclusive environments kind of becoming the focus of um, concern and that, um, that our kids are going to be held to a different standard. I think, I, I hope people don't forget that all of our kids have been out of school, you know, or had, had a, an interruption in the typical school for 18 months. And I think, again, going back to conversation and bringing that humanity back and, mm -hmm. and making sure our kids aren't being held to a higher standard. You know, we want those high expectations, but not higher expectations. Yeah. Um, and, and to have those conversations. And so if a teacher raises a concern, you know, for us to feel comfortable as parents to go back to them and say, well, are you seeing that as a concern for any other child? You know, for example, like they kind of get really tired at one o'clock and it's really hard to reach them after one o'clock. Well, they haven't been in a full day of school in over 18 yeah. months. So yeah. is yeah. my child the only child who's experiencing yeah. that? Because if they're not, then what are you doing to support the other students who are having trouble with that? And can we apply that to my child too, mm. right? First, yeah. Yeah. and then do we need to do something different? But let's, let's, let's start with what's the same before we look at what needs to happen differently. Yeah, that's great. And I hope they see it. You know, I hope, I think, you know, educators too have had some trauma, you know, in yeah, all yeah, of this and sure. um, definitely some interruption. If you feel like that word is too extreme, you know, they definitely have had some interruption in their life and the way things happen. And I hope that maybe they can take away from this some parallels, maybe, you know, they had to relearn a lot of things. They were overwhelmed by a lot that was being thrown at them and they had to find their way. And I hope that maybe they see the parallels that that's kind of what our kids with working memory challenges experience mm -hmm. on a daily basis. Really and maybe that will allow them to be a little more sensitive and understanding and supportive of, of, of that being their reality. I love that. And so all you listeners out there, let's just take this to your teacher and let them listen to this interview. <laughs> <laughs> and well, Kristen, this has been so lovely. Thank you so much. Oh, thank before, you. Before we go, you know, we love to end our show yes. with good news. So we'd love to hear if there's anything that you're celebrating in Seve's life right now, big or small. Yeah, well, he's back in school. Um, and he's so happy to be there. And so that is, that is a huge celebration. Um, I think I had mentioned he, he decided he's, he's been in ASB for two years. He decided that he wanted to run for ASB president. 
Um, so, and what is ASB? Win. He didn't win ASB Associated Student Body okay. um, of his middle school. He did not win, but they said it was really close. And he, the, cool. the, the grace moment for me was that he handled it so well. I mean, I thought he would have had, you know, full tantrum, you know, because he was really excited and he didn't like, he just, he shows me his growing maturity in these pockets. And when you see it every day, I think you miss it sometimes, but every once in a while we get lucky enough that this big event happens and we're shocked by how well our kids respond. And so that was such a gift, but I think that the biggest good news for me is, is that every single day being back at school now, again, he has an opportunity to show people that he deserves to be counted. Mm -hmm. Um, and hopefully that leads to an opportunity for him to leave a legacy that shows them that other kids need to be counted too. Mm -hmm. And I just, I love and feel so grateful that I get to be witness to that. And I get to watch that, you know, happen. So th those are my celebrations, you know, they, I don't know. <laughs> I love that. I love it. Well, Kristen, yeah. thank you so much for spending time with me and for giving our listeners um, so much good information. This oh, thank you so much for having me back. It was really nice to, to be back with you. Amazing. And listeners go listen to our other interviews with Kristen and you will just have, you'll be so full of good <laughs> stuff to go into the school year. <laughs> All right. Thank, Thank you, you Micah. All right. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, my ladies. What did you think? So good. Wisdom uh, upon wisdom. I know. I, I like love her. Kristen. Mm-hmm. Um, hers, I've known Kristen for, I feel, I think like six years, mm. I think she was pregnant when we met with her youngest and Sevi and Macy are the same age. And so it's fun to think about them both in middle school together and mm -hmm. Sevi running for class president. I so cute. And he took oh, it so Sevi. well when he didn't win, which I thought was really sweet for her to be like, Hey, good job, bud. <laughs> like, yes. yeah. Yeah. I think the, the thing that like impressed on my heart the most was when Kristen talked about what Sevi, why Sevi thinks inclusion is important and yes. it's to be known to be, known. I mean, gee, many Christmas. It's like, yeah. what, that's what we all, that's what all, we all humans want. want in life. And how yeah. can you be known if you're in a space, if you can't be seen, Separate. right? Yep. Yes. How yep. can you be known if there's no proximity? Mm -hmm. <sighs> I know. How can so you beautiful. even have the idea to run for class president if you've never seen all the kids in your school because you're off in the corner yeah. in the room alone? Yeah. Or seeing long. kids excited. Like, yeah, how do you know to do that if you're not a part of the hype of that? You know, yep. seeing your peers be like, oh, yeah, ASB, blah, blah. You know, it really is proximity. Like, you're what you know about the conversations you hear. <laughs> Happy tears. Yeah. It's beautiful and a lot again. It's hard. <laughs> yeah, it's it is just hard. It's just hard if it's not happening, you know, yeah. like um, that idea that inclusion is not based on readiness, you know, that it's not a favor mm -hmm. and, and yet it's, it is easier for kids who have certain skill sets, you know, mm -hmm. it just is. And I like, that's what feels heavy to me with my little Macy. 
-hmm. everyone, I need everyone working real hard to make it work Mm -hmm. because at some point that's how I feel with all this. Like at some point, I don't know that we can show up anymore. You Mm. know? Yeah. You've been pushed out. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to be. No, because Macy should be known. And yeah, what a privilege and an honor for people to get to know her. Mm hmm. Hi, it's so heavy, guys. It is. Mm-hmm. I feel like I, is. I'm just so. He- I just bring so much heaviness to the podcast lately. I'm sorry. No, oh, I. Well, I mean, okay, I like it. It's. I, <laughs> I, I love your a doom and gloom person. So I'm like, ooh, let's sit in it. <laughs> I agree, and I think that there's. It's just so important for everybody to hear how you're walking through this, Heather, mm-hmm. and what it's like right now. I. I mean, I think that even for me in like sharing in the conversation with Kristen, how much I, I think I did the right thing for my family last year in letting it go and letting us go in this class. But I, it's, it's not been an easy pill to swallow. It's still not what I want for him. And I think Mm -hmm. as I'm coming back to that, like, yeah, how much have I just accepted what the unwritten rules are? Like you, well, yes, um, yes, inclusion can work for him, but first he needs to be able to go to the bathroom and not be right. in a pull-up right. and he needs to be able to speak mm-hmm. so he can communicate or at least use his communication device. And he needs to be able to sit when it's time to sit. And those things to me feel like, oh, I've been letting that stand in the way because it feels Like, I don't know how to say, okay, we're going to overcome this or we're going to like support him and figure this out um, because it felt like everything that I saw working in terms of inclusion was for kids who could do those things, Mm -hmm. who were potty trained and who could speak and who could sit. Right. Because what we do see on Instagram mostly is what I'm going to refer to are kids that are speaking well, writing their name, their parents are constantly saying, look at all their friends. This is happy go lucky. And I think, um, Heather, you've been sharing the nitty gritty of it a Mm -hmm. little bit more. And I don't know if that's not what they're experiencing or not, but it is kind of you unintentionally, at least I did. I'm like, okay, but Sunny's not there yet. So maybe we'll work still at home a little bit longer. Mm -hmm until she can communicate, make those friends, mm-hmm. be cooperative mm-hmm. in class, right. you know, all this. Yeah. Unspoken rules, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. And if every hard. kid deserves access and opportunity, which I also love, like Kristen talks about not even using the word inclusion, but yeah. access and opportunity. Um, and if, if I, if we believe that every kid deserves that, it's not, what, what we're, when I say we, I feel like maybe I'm talking about the Down syndrome community, like the bigger Down syndrome community in, in uh, regards to what you were saying, Mercedes, we're only showing inclusion for kids who can do inclusion. Right. And like that whole idea, we have to, we have to have new framework around it. Mm -hmm. That if inclusion and access and opportunity is for all, Mm -hmm. we have to put a period at the end of that sentence, not all of those who can fit in nicely in a class, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. sometimes, I don't think we talk about that enough, that sometimes inclusion 
becomes a thing that can just work for kids who are good at being included, you know, Mm -hmm. like you have the ability to be included, but that's not what it is. It's that kids, all kids deserve access and opportunity. And you don't get that in a separate environment. Mm -mm. Oh, that makes me think about all that's going on right now, but we don't have to get into that. (laughs) Well, there's a sense of within our country about freedoms and like people feeling loss of freedoms and stuff. And it, I feel so incredibly blessed to be first a woman of color and equally being a mother to a child with disabilities. If people really want to talk about having no freedom, please talk to a person with a disability. Mm. You don't think they have access to everything. You segregated all day long. Mm -hmm. And just that word freedom. Oh, I don't know. I just don't talk to me about it. If you don't know me, because (laughs) you're not going (laughs) to like it because yeah, go ahead. Really people Mm -hmm. are throwing that word around and not they're thinking of them, their self, their own selves, which is, I get that I'm raising a child with down syndrome. So I am aware of that. And that's what I'm saying. I feel privileged to be aware of another layer of depth, love and thought process, Mm -hmm. you know? Yep. Yep. Say that, say that again and again, because if you want to live in community in any form, Mm-hmm. And you care about everybody having equal freedoms, mm-hmm. then the then the people whose freedoms are taking away from other people's right to freedom have to give up theirs. Mm-hmm. Right? Did that make sense? Mm-hmm. If you, the person who has the most, and they're having the most, is keeping the person who doesn't have it from having what they deserve. <laughs> Yes, I got to give it up so that everybody can have equal freedom. Mm -hmm. I don't know how we got on that. That was sorry, guys. I know. I feel like let's put a pin in that and talk about that next week. (laughs) (laughs) Systems, guys. Let's break down systems of oppression. Blah blah blah. That's a song, but I forgot what the words are. After I don't know. It's like people's first experience with some kind of like oppression I'm using air quotes you know Mm -hmm. and you're just thinking oh Jesus take the wheel this has been my child's entire life right yes from even in the womb for whoever finds out that they are having they are going to birth a child with Down syndrome from the womb yes it's crazy okay Okay. anyway sorry bring in a coffee I'm starting, I'm okay. starting to rock you guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. It's just a good coping mechanism. Okay. Yes. yes. Okay. Are we, do we feel like we can move on? Are we, yeah. do we need a big we breath? Wrapping it. <laughs> to wrap. Okay. Okay. Let's take a break. When we get back, we're going to change our tone and we're going to celebrate <laughs> some good news. Yes. Let's do it. Okay, parents, educators, pastors, friends, everybody listening, we are headed back to school. It is time back to school. I'm so excited that as we head back to school, my new children's book, Different, A Great Thing to Be, will also be making its way into classrooms. I believe this book is a great resource as we help our kids navigate the school year as they have opportunities to notice, embrace, and celebrate the different in themselves and in their classmates and those around them. And I trust this book will serve as a powerful tool to help you do just that. 
And to be sure, here at The Lucky Few, we've created a different classroom kit full of additional resources for you to download and use to create a whole different kind of lesson for our kids and our students. This is a free resource we've created to go along with the book, Different, A Great Thing to Be. You can head to heatheravis.com slash different to download this free resource guide and print these out to use in your home, your classroom, your churches, wherever you want to use them. Because friends, different is a great thing to be. All right, we're back and it is time for some good news. Truly, take it away. Time for good news, time for good news. Everybody, welcome to the good news. Yeah, yeah. Okay, y'all. Who's got some good news to share this week? Um, I think I do. <laughs> um, homeschool started after Labor Day and we're doing well. Sunny's doing well. She remembered her numbers and letters. We're doing sight words and I I love it. We're, we're doing well. It's going well. I was nervous. Mm-hmm. Brave is a toddler now and he's not easy. Not that he needs to be easy, but he's just very much a toddler. He's the fourth. So then they're all kind of crazy, but I think I can do it. I know I can do it. You can do it. Get it. Good job. (laughs) Good news. Um, I have good news. You guys, we have, we are celebrating here as a podcast. Josh put in like a drum roll or something. We have over half a million downloads. Half a million in the house. Woo-hoo. Half a million pop, I'm making um, it rain on our body. Congratulations, ladies. This has <laughs> been know. so fun. And it's like, what an honor, y'all. Everybody that is hearing us talk about this, it's all because of you. And mm-hmm. we don't take that for granted. We're so thankful for you guys, for our listeners, for being a part of this podcast with us and our community. Yeah, we're the number one Down Syndrome podcast out there. And it is just a privilege and an honor and a joy. So good news. Yay. Such good news. Such good news. And we have one from a listener too. Mercedes, do you want to read it? Yes. Max and Jude says, walking into a water park last week, Jude asked us, are you guys excited? Oh my God. Cue the happy tears. He asked a great question yes. in the perfect timing. I love that so much. That is Thank such you. Good news. I know. Good job, Jude. Okay. I'm just thinking about water parks. <laughs> feeling. I do love water parks. This was Ooh. having a moment where I was thinking about, I wouldn't be excited to go to a water park too right now. <laughs> okay. Thank you friends for joining us. Thank you, Kristen Enriquez, for being here with your wisdom and your presence. And we just adore you. And as always, listeners, we want to hear from you. So leave us a voicemail or a DM on Instagram and share about your good news about your loved one with Down syndrome. And if you have a product or a business that wants to help us shout the worth of people with Down syndrome, we would love to partner with you. You can email hello at theluckyfewpodcast.com for sponsorship opportunities. And as always, we want to give a huge thank you to our editor, Josh Avis, to our producer, Val Schleter, 
to our sponsor and to all of you who shared the Lucky Few podcast with friends and who have listened faithfully and cheered us on all the way to half a million downloads. <laughs> Amazing, you guys. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And remember that you, dear listeners, supporting your loved one with Down syndrome, you are a shouter of worth and a narrative shifter. Keep on keeping on. We're cheering for you. We'll see you next time on the Lucky Few mm -hmm. Podcast. Bye. 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 <laughs>